Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today on Data Protection Gumbo, I have the pleasure of speaking with Candy Alexander, who is the Chief Information Security Officer and Security Practice Lead at New Eon. And a little bit about Candy, she has been around in the industry for over 30 years uh, in the information security space, uh, working for various high-tech companies, and she's also held numerous uh, CISO positions in which she developed and also managed corporate security programs. And she now works as a virtual or fractional CISO, an executive cybersecurity consultant, helping companies of all sizes improve their security programs through effective security initiatives. So Candy, welcome to the gumbo. Well, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today. All right, let's see if we can tap into some of that experience that you've had. I'm sure you've seen a lot, you've been around, you've heard a lot, and maybe we can capture some moments of being a chief information security officer and and maybe talk to us a little bit about working your way up to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I've been in this for a long time. I really have grown up in this profession. You know, I've been fortunate to start in information security because that's what we called it back then. Before they even had like the CIA model, the risk equation and all that crazy stuff that, uh, you know, we uh, take for granted today. So having been in it that long, really have worked my way up the ladder and going from various ladders to get here, right? Because again, when I first started, it was just, you're an information security analyst. That was it. You, there was no managers. There, there was, I mean, they made up that job title, yeah. right? And okay. so yeah. um, I started by uh, teaching how to use a, a computer lockdown uh, program that digital equipment had developed after Kevin Mitnick broke into our network. So I went around the country and taught that. And the reason why I bring that up is that it's an important part and and contributes to who I am today and some of the skills that I have today. And can, can you can you maybe explain who Kevin Mitnick is? Because I'm not sure if the audience really understands. Maybe he's just some hacker. But Really? Nobody I, understands who Kevin Mitnick is. So I, Kevin yeah. Mitnick, he was, um, he was a teenager when I first heard his name out in California. And he was into what we call phone freaking back in the day when you could um, remember the landlines we used to have. You know, you press the numbers and it would make different tones. He was able to hack phones like that. And then he expanded his repertoire, if you will, into computers, right? Like Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking way mm-hmm. back in um, the 80s, right? Okay. And so um, 
very, very intelligent young man who quickly um, developed the skill set to break into the Digital Equipment Corporation's network using social engineering skills. And we um, we who know Kevin Mitnick today for his name, um, by the way, he's passed and, you know, God rest his soul. Oh, wow. okay. He was a huge like social engineering expert. That was his gift, if you will. Um, and he social engineered his way into um, getting access to the network. So he was um, at the time back in the late 80s, like the world's most famous hacker because of, of, of this and other exploits. Um, so, so again, as, as a means of countering those things that um, Kevin was able to exploit in our computer systems, um, digital equipment created a program to lock it down. Um, you know, we call it hardening, whatever. And so because of that, I was, I picked up a lot of skills for developing training and education materials of complex things and then making it relatable um, so I could teach that around the country and world. So that's an important aspect of who I am today, right? Because who I am today is all about sharing my knowledge, right? Um, So I progressed as with the uh, the progression of the profession to become uh, information security manager in time, and then, um, you know, then, of course, my first CISO job came upon me and I was like so excited. And one of those things, a good news, bad news story in that the good news is they didn't have a computer pro- uh, security program or a, a yeah, cybersecurity program. So I get to build it from scratch. Yeah. Okay. But the bad news was I had to start it from scratch. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and think back, um, this is when a lot of regulations started coming out. And so a lot of programs were developed, computer uh, security programs were developed to be compliant to those regulatory requirements. So you were able to get you know, leadership to invest in your program because they had to by law. Okay. Gotcha. So, but that, that, that only weren't so yeah. far, right? And then- we had to start figuring other things out. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm sure you probably could, could go on. I'm sure you have tons of stories uh, related to, to your overall uh, trajectory as to where you are now. And, you know, I, I want to see if maybe we could, we could do some takeaways and maybe some, some dirty little secrets of, of being a, a CISO or Chief Information Security Officer because in my mind, I have this idea of this being like this glamorous, amazing job. You get paid lots of money, you get stock options, you get, you know, all this fame and fortune and you get to fight the good fight of uh, cybersecurity. But why don't you tell tell us, like, is it that or, or what what is it like? Is it is it a great job or is it just a rewarding job? What What is the job overall? Yeah, it's it's not it's not that <laughs> because when I first started, it's like oh, I made it, I made the big time. No, probably one of the most stressful, most challenging, most unappreciated jobs when you look at it truly from a C-suite. And you think, oh, I'm a chief security officer. 
I'm playing in the big league now. No, you're not. You're not. It's, I mean, chief is only a name and you're not necessarily, at least when I started, you're not always invited to the table. So when you think about that, you think, oh, well, I'm going to be invited to the same meetings like the C-suite, right? We're going to talk about strategy of the business and everything else. That's not the case. You know, when um, CISOs first came about, it kind of like we were the scapegoat. We were the sacrificial lamb. I mean, there are so many stories we can talk about, the latest of which was Joe Sullivan from Uber, you know, was put out to dry, if you will. So you need to walk into that role with eyes wide open. It is long hours. You have to really fight and justify for your budget and the investment from the business. And, it, you know, that's where the education skills come into play as well as sales, because you need to sell and ed educate at the same time, you know, the, the rest of the C-suite to understand why you are asking for whatever it is you're asking for. And the challenge too that I found with us CISOs is we, come from typically traditionally we come from technical backgrounds and in the irony of that demetrius is that they the business wants us to be technical so they hire us right if you don't have a technical background you probably wouldn't get hired especially in startups but ironically enough when te technical minded people don't have the soft skills that are needed to be able to sell and educate the business. So we walk in there justifying, say, for example, um, the need for a SIM. And we say, oh, yeah, you know, I found this SIM. It can, you know, we have, you know, millions of EPS coming in and it will help us sort. And, you know, meanwhile, the CFO saying, like, what the heck is an EPS? And I'm not going to ask because I'd feel like an idiot. So can, can I ask you this? So you mentioned having a very strong technical background, but just from me following CISOs over the last couple of years and reading up on it and understanding it um, and just kind of watching some of the soap operas play play out uh, over over the news, right? Uh, solar winds and you know, everything that's happening there, material incidents and events and disclosure and trying to, the SEC is involved and they're like, you made some statements and we're not sure they're correct. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot. What What's the difference between a CIO, a CTO and a CISO? Are those one and the same or are there some differences? And, and also as an add on to that. If you are a CISO and you're not reporting to the CEO, is security taken seriously? At that yeah, time? you want it all, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I know okay. I, I, I asked some doozies there. Sure. And so I can answer that really quickly and easily because at New Eon, we are C-suites, right? We're uh, recovering, <laughs> shall I say. And so my colleagues are the CIOs and the CTOs. Yeah, so I mean, the way we have um, defined our swim lanes, which do get blurred, which they should, right? There should be an overlap. I should be aware of what they do and what they're working on, 
but they have the, the deep knowledge I have exposure of. So let's start with the CTO, the Chief Technology Officer. And this is Candy's interpretation. They're the individuals that really talk with the business to understand what their technology challenges are and what their needs are, and then go and develop those uh, or, or identify solutions to meet those needs. So they really focus on the business and, and alignment of the strategy to the business needs. And that's where a lot of companies, you know, define the CTO as more of a definite strategist, longer range plan, right? And then the CIO, the Chief Information Security Officer, and this is again my interpretation um, and how we've structured at uh, New Eon, they're more operational. They're they're the you know the care the feed and uh, running of the infrastructures in this everyday systems and technology. So um, they will also look at it from a strategic standpoint, but more from an operational perspective, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Like, you know, do we stay on-prem or do we move to a cloud, you know, strategy and all of that? Okay, makes sense. And then the, the CISO, the CISO, um, I am a partner of theirs. And so it's almost in the way that we found it successful at New Eon is, is I partner with both of them and I come in as a, a layer on top of their work. So like, for example, a really good, a really good analogy of this is that, you know, in a thing I advocate today, give me your, uh, your, uh, net, your architecture, your tech stack. What's your tech stack look like? What's your architecture? And then I come in and look at it from a security perspective. And then if you could think of like um, blueprints, how they're layered, like you've got your frame and then you got your wiring diagrams and everything. Much like the architecture for technology, I layer on top the security architecture. So it's complementary to those things, as well as like from the CTO perspective, I partner with them and talking to the business, where are you going for a business strategy, right? And then making sure that I identify the potential roadblocks or risks, shall I say, because they're not roadblocks that we need to figure out what the business needs and support them. And then I, I develop a cyber risk profile to identify what are those risks, how would we go about, you know, mitigating the risks and what are the, what's the cost of that? And then I step away and the business decides what to do with that information. Mm, okay. Yeah. Now, what about, because I've, I've read that if a CISO is not reporting to the CEO, then, or, the, or they they may not be in board meetings, right? So having, the CISO attend the board meeting and present a few slides to the board saying, hey, these are the top 80 vulnerabilities that we're dealing with, with across our entire stack. These are the top ones. This is how much it's going to cost and pick and choose. Let's pick and choose the top 20 to tackle right now. These are critical. If we don't get these done, then you're looking at uh, maybe us, you know, doing, having some jail time or, or, I mean, it's really serious, right, that we get this done right. So what's, 
What's the what's your definition or interpretation of uh, a CISO in the reporting structure, whether it's reporting to CEO or CFO? Yeah, or yeah, not yeah. Reporting at all yet. So, so that's really interesting. I think we security people have been pushing because I've done it. I'm not taking the job unless I report to the CEO. Well, not sure if that's really um, realistic, but I think to ensure separation of duties that it can't be the CTO or the CIO. It should be somebody else with authority and accountability. And so I can tell you one role that's been very successful and multiple clients that I've worked with is I uh, work and reported to the CFO. Okay. Yeah. And so they still have, um, you know, very much accountability and all that. Now, you, I, I was giggling when you were talking about the board. Right. Because let's talk, mm-hmm. let's break that down for a moment. Right? Yeah, let's do that. And so um, let's face it, the state of New York, and there is proposed legislation to um, have a security expert sit on the board of directors for organizations. Mm-hmm. Now, when you said, well, well, do you go in, you know, and present a slide or two of, you know, we got 80 vulnerabilities yeah. and pick the first... That is not the conversation (laughs) to have at the board of directors. And that's one way of ensuring that you never get invited back again. Okay. So you need to really, you know, it kind of goes back to, and you know, for anybody who knows me, I oversimplify things, but that's Mm -hmm. just how my mind works is that I have to simplify it. Know your audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. They are not technical. They don't understand the delineation of, you know, risk um, and, the, and the prioritization of risk. But what you do co- go in with is say, listen, you know, we are on target. What did, You need to know what their drivers are. Usually it's compliance to regulations. Okay, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then it's um, in regards to overall security position. So, like, you know, uh, looking at our risk uh, program at our company, Acme Chemicals, you know, we have, uh, you know, in bar charts, because pitches work. Um, you know, this is the number of things outstanding and we need more resources to address those. So so the conversation is not about which ones do you want to work on. It's about me identifying as CISO. This is what our picture from a security posture looks like. And either you're happy with it, board, or... I need resources or I need, you know, a short fix. And it's my responsibility as CISO to put that ask forward or just to report here. Here we are. Are there any questions? And let them guide the conversation as to what questions they have. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I appreciate that response. And I've, I've heard many different things around, you know, people making mistakes and not getting invited back to the board, because if you're standing up there and you're talking all these vulnerabilities and you're going into uh, percentages and, and CVE number 82965, and that's, you know, this one and, and the criticality is this, but you really have to, in my mind, tie it to, okay, what are the top applications that are being utilized in order to generate the revenue for the company, if that application goes down, then 
this is how much we will lose by downtime of two hours or three hours or four hours, right? So yeah, I appreciate you clarifying the the business side of um, identifying what's important. It's all about the business, right? It's about doing a business impact analysis. Like you said, if this system goes down for two hours, yeah, that's too bad. And, you know, of course, us technologists freak out. But to the business, it's like, what's what are the what's the first thing they're going to ask what's it going to cost me yeah right especially if it's a cfo yeah exactly i also wanted to ask you why i have you here you know all the talk around ransomware and cyber breaches cyber attacks all the phishing attempts and social engineering we keep hearing these stories you know casinos and solar winds i mean the list goes on as far as um when it happens, because it's going to happen one way or another. No one's 100% immune from being compromised. Um, but I did want to ask you, what are some of the top ways to maybe minimize the damage when ransomware happens to uh, get inside or exfiltration or something from that perspective? What, what are some, some ways that the Gumbo listeners can can uh, maybe help minimize that or even recover from it? Yeah, great question. And I have real real life experience and I'm sure like every, every, every good security person has, whether it's good or bad experience, but so there's a couple of things. So let's talk about the pre, um, the, the proactive approach, right? So again, I'm all about architecture and design. And so often the organizations, clients I work with, we segment. Remember back in the day, you'd segment networks. Mm -hmm. And there was a reason for that, right? For Mm -hmm. isolation, Mm -hmm. right? So it's the same concept to what we have today. But you're going to do it from um, an infrastructure, like business as usual, daily ops, and then whatever the business is, like some of my clients are, um, they develop software. So you keep that separate, right? Um, and um, others might be uh, retail. You keep your e-com separate. Whatever your golden eggs are, make it completely separate. And in, in our world today, it's typically cloud. So that's not too hard to do. So is that like air gapped? Yes. Is that like air gap or it's just uh, on a different network? Oh, completely different network, cloud segmentation. Okay. Let's call it that, right? Gotcha. And okay. so, yeah, yeah. so then the next thing is to ensure that you have a solid incident response plan. And oh, by the way, it needs to be workable. And um, I can tell you, the people I work with, they, they I drive them nuts, but sorry, it worked. It's like, you know, phishing incident, pull out the IRP, you know, it's like any excuse possible because it's kind of like a fire drill, right? You're going to know if you use it all the time. Um, And um, in this instance, um, believe it or not, uh, that my use case is um, uh, we exercise that IRP like seven or eight times in one year. So... So when, when our um, IT analyst found something going on, he called me immediately because timeliness is everything when it comes to ransomware. Quick identification. And so I told him right away, disconnect from the internet. 
and let's start isolating down. So shutting everything down. Um, so, so rapid response, think about your architecture and then I'm going to say it. And I know people are going to roll their eyes and it's like, that is the most boring thing ever to do, but it's about the basics. Backups, do your backups, test your backups, make sure that you can do a restore. And especially in today's world, when we're talking about cloud, a lot of businesses are now cloud native. That's all they work in. So let's think about this for a moment. All of the cloud um, SaaS, right, solutions, there's only so much data that they can keep. So you need to look and have a cloud um, backup strategy. Like, you know, after so long, what, 60, 90 days of retention on the server, make sure you have a cloud backup that it doesn't get rewritten because you're going to need to potentially do um you know months go back months because let's face it a lot of the um, incidents that we know of today they don't find out for months and months and yeah, months yeah, later that right. they were exfiltrated yeah that is, so, that is correct yeah it's basic yeah, I, I appreciate you you sharing that, and and those are some of the things that I've I've heard too, right in line. And I've been doing I've been in the backup industry for twenty something years. So I started off straight straight out of college in '99, and I've landed. I was on the backup team for IBM, working their enterprise backup software called TSM, and I just never left the industry. And then this whole ransomware thing started blowing out of proportion, and now data protection, cybersecurity, and backup and recovery and storage. It's all one conversation now because we're all trying to figure out what's the best way and the quickest way to recover from an event, whatever it is, right? Maybe one book recommendation before I let you go because we're almost out of time here and we could probably go on for another hour or so, but I know your time is busy. Um, but yeah, book recommendation. What are you reading now? Any any anything that's that's good for us? Maybe to go take a look. So, at? thanks, Demetrius, for shaming me publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I'm not reading anything. The news? <laughs> you watching something? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, I again, it's so shameful, but I am like so immersed in the day. Okay. Right? Yeah. I'm not kidding. It's just. I, I can't read. I have to because it's so intense. And I, again, another dirty little secret of CISOs. Mm -hmm. My day um, job is so intense and I can't emphasize that enough that like when I'm done working, mm -hmm. I, my brain is gone. It's done. I have to sit and like, you know, stream some no nonsense yeah. or some nonsense, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Netflix or, you know, Hulu or whatever. I, I just got to turn it off. And I think, well, actually, that's probably a good thing. So if I was to recommend a book to anybody, I would recommend CISOs and everybody in the security industry profession start looking at some wellness books. Mental health. I'm not kidding because we're, we're just getting burnt out. Yes. And Eve, you can't do that. Meditate. Take 10 minutes just to close your eyes and be one mm -hmm. with silence. I love it. I love it. It's always great to close out with uh, something around wellness and 
mental health taking a moment because we're all inundated with information and it's just digital overload right now. And man, I, I look at my children now and it's like, I wouldn't want to be my children because growing up with technology and cell phones and social media and I mean, everything is just moving so fast. So uh, great advice there, Candy. And I do appreciate the time you've taken out to Give us some dirty little secrets on, on being a CISO. And before I let you go, I want to put a quick plug in for a group that I run on LinkedIn. It is called Backup and Recovery Professionals. And so there are about 25,000 like-minded professionals uh, specializing in backup, recovery, cybersecurity, storage, data protection. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, so please go check out the group and join it if you uh, would like to participate and share some of your knowledge as well. Uh, but Candy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again for being a guest on, on the gumbo. My pleasure. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Very much so.